Galatians chapter 6 and beginning at verse 14. I'm beginning a new sermon series this morning as we celebrate Holy Week entitled, This Changes Everything. And we read in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. For those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be unto them and unto the Israel of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit manifest among us. I pray now that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation that as they hear the word, they will receive it in the fertile soil of their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to begin this morning talking about this changes everything. And this morning we're going to talk about the cross changes everything. There have been periods of history in which things changed very little. And uh, there are moments like the moment we're living in now where things are constantly changing. But there have been moments and are always moments in human history when things seem to kind of stand still for a very long time. You know that we have had more technological advancements in the last 20 years than in the previous 100 years combined. The world that, our, that we are living in is moving at a quick and fast pace. But you might remember a time that things were a little slower. I, I grew up uh, just... Uh, a, a few yards from my grandmother's house, and in my grandparents' house, they had a rotary phone. Anybody remember the rotary phone? In the rotary phone, you had to, uh, you had to select a number and, and turn the rotary, turn the dial there, and then wait for it to click back, right? And then you had to do that again. In fact, when I got to Monte Olivar, when I came here uh, a few years ago, seven years ago or so, there was still a rotary phone in Pastor Ramos' office. And so I used that for a little while just for fun, you know, just to, I'd call the church members and I just like to crank that thing. Uh, that was the way the phone was for a long time. And, uh, and then suddenly something happened. The cellular phone came along. And it absolutely changed everything about communication. Now you don't have to go to a wall uh, and pick up the phone. Now you don't need a landline. Now you carry your phone in your pocket. And not only can you talk and receive phone calls on your cell phone, but now you can, uh, uh, you can go on the World Wide Web. You can go on the Internet, and you can receive emails and write messages, and you can receive text messages. And now there's things like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever's next. And these things have uh, created a revolution in our world. Uh, but at a time, there was not that much changing in our world. And you, you think about moments of history like that. Another moment of history we know as the Dark Ages, a thousand years in which it was darkness. And uh, there was no light of the gospel, although the gospel uh, was a message that was preached. It was very opaque. And so in those periods of time, in those thousand years, it seemed like the world stood still. And uh, the, if you study the art of that era, it's very dark, it's very somber. And then all of a sudden, a man rose up, uh, called by God, anointed by God, to bring reformation and revolution to the theological world. And Martin Luther 
struck a chord in history that absolutely changed the world. Uh, uh, the, the Lutheran Reformation not only changed the, the Catholic Church, it, it not only changed the religious world, but it changed the entire world. When you look at the artwork before Luther and the artwork after the Reformation, you see in the, in the world after the Reformation color and you see dynamic things going on in artwork that were a, a reflection of the dynamic things going on in the world. As the light of the gospel came in and it pushed out the darkness and it brought in an understanding and a revelation of how man could access God apart from the church and apart from the Catholic priest. And so you see a period of history that was transformed in a moment by a, a single person or a single thing. But the same way when you read your Bible, you're going to notice that there's an Old and a New Testament. And the Old Testament really reflects that generation, that, that period of time of 4,000 years in which things were changing but at a very slow rate. And for much of the period of time in the Old Testament, things didn't change at all. The Old Testament uh, taught us how to reach God through ceremonies and through, through uh, the law of Moses, through commandments, through sacrifices, through rams and goats and turtle doves. The Old Testament was thousands of years of the same approach to God, a, a limitation on how man could come into the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the Bible says the high priest could come into the presence of God once every year. And not without blood. And so when you, you read through the Old Testament, there's a continuity of that pattern of life, that lifestyle, the, the diet, the, re, the rules and regulations of the Jewish people. But then something happens. Something occurs and there is a split in time between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew. And just like that cellular phone that changed the way we communicate, and just like the Reformation that changed the world around us, so also someone came on the scene of history that changed the way that the world understood and approached God. Can I tell you, friends, that this man that came on the scene of history was so significant, so mighty in his impact, that to this day historians measure time by the time before Christ and after Christ. He changed the way we understand history and he changed the way we understand God. Jesus was the game changer of all game changers. When he came, he came not only to change the way we communicate, he came not only to change the way we view ourselves and the world, but he came to change everything in your life. And Frank, can I tell you, when Jesus comes into your life, he will change your life. Say amen, somebody. And Jesus came with a singular purpose. He came to bring a transformation not only of the law and the systems of the law, but he came to bring a transformation in the human heart and the human life. And this morning, I want to introduce you to this powerful, uh, impacting moment in history that changed everything. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ changed everything. It changed uh, the sacrificial system. We no longer bring bulls and goats and lambs 
to church. But now we bring our song, our worship, and our praise to God. We no longer come through the blood of the sacrifice, but we come through the blood of Jesus. We no longer come to God by way of a priest, but we come to God by the way of the priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to God because Jesus has changed everything. And the cross has changed everything. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, God forbid that I should boast, or the old King James word, that I should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. To put it in 21st century language, what, what uh, the Apostle is saying there, Paul is saying simply, God forbid that I should trust or brag on anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. There are some who boast in their strength. There are some who boast in their knowledge. There are some who boast in their riches. There are some who boast in their achievements. There are some who boast in how many friends they have on Facebook or followers on Twitter. Some who boast in the number of dollars they have in their bank account or the type of clothes that they wear. There are some who boast on the number of degrees that are hanging on their wall. But friend, there is really only one person that you and I can really depend on. There is really only one in whom we should boast. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that changes everything. Now you might ask, Pastor Isaac, you might say, Preacher, why do I have to believe in Jesus? Why can't I believe in Mohammed or Buddha or, or Mary or Abraham or or Kingsway Church for that matter. Why does it have to be Jesus? I'll tell you why, friend. Because only Jesus can give you access to God the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you realize that there are many ways to Jesus? Some of you came to Jesus through a Christian home. Some of you came to Jesus because of a Sunday school teacher. Some of you came to Jesus because you heard Billy Graham on the radio or television. Some of you came to Jesus because you uh, heard a preacher preach on a Sunday morning. Some of you came to Jesus because you were in a jail cell at the bottom of your rope. Some of you came to Jesus because you were in a hospital room dying. And then when you came to Jesus, he gave you the life that you needed. There are many ways to Jesus, friend, but there's only one way to God. You've got to come through Jesus. You can't go around Jesus. It's Jesus or nothing. He is the door to, of access to God the Father. You say, but preacher, I want to believe in something else. I want to put my trust in something else. You may do that, friend. That's to totally your choice. And uh, we're not here to tell you that you have to do it our way. What we are telling you is that if you want to see God the Father, if you want to get to heaven when you die, if you want to live a life of blessing, if you want your sins forgiven, there is only one that can do that. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of the living God. Jesus is the centerpiece of the entire Bible. Of all the books of the Bible, there is one thread that runs through all of them seamlessly. It is the, the name and the, uh, the story of our redemption. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his cross that is represented from Genesis to Revelation. 
In the books of the law, he's the promised seed. In the books of history, he is the king who reigns. In the books of wisdom, he is the wisdom and the song of the ages. In the books of prophecy, he is the Messiah who was to come. In the gospels, he is the word made flesh. In the book of Acts, he is the Lord of the church. In the letters, he is the pastor and counselor of the church. And in the book of Revelation, he is king of kings and lord of lords. Every book in the Bible points to Jesus. Every book in the Bible bears witness that he is the son of the living God and that his cross alone can save. He is Abel's altar. He is Noah's ark. He is Aaron's rod. He is Moses' tabernacle. He is Joshua's captain. He is David's sling and stone. He is Solomon's wisdom. He is Elijah's fire on the altar. He is Elisha's floating accent. He is Nehemiah's joy. He is my savior and he is your best friend. Come on somebody, give Jesus praise in his house this morning. Jesus changes everything. The cross changes everything. The Apostle Paul writes about this cross of Christ to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. He says the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks are after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto those who are being saved, it is the power and the wisdom of God. Paul was pointing out that every single person in the world has to deal with these two uh, contradictions to Jesus. The Jews had to deal with the fact that the cross of Christ was a stumbling block. Why was it a stumbling block? They had learned to come to God through a legal system. They had learned to come through to God through the shedding of the blood of their lambs and through the perfection of their diet. What, what they didn't realize was that the cross came to make an end to that system. And when, when our, uh, our life that is, tend, tends to be habitual has to change from one system to another, we tend to react to that in a negative way. And so the Jews reacted to Jesus in a negative way. Just like some of you that have been holding on to your flip phone for the last 14 years. And they're trying to tell you and your family, get an iPhone, mom. He said, no. Get an iPhone, dad. No, I don't want one of those phones. I don't understand it. I can't use it. I'll never learn how to use it. I've known some of you. I'm not going to tell your name. But you got a, an iPhone. Then you went back to the flip phone. And that's what happened to the Jews. They couldn't handle the change. They couldn't understand how salvation could be through one man. How salvation could be through the blood of one man shed upon the cross. But you see, friends, the cross is a stumbling block still more because the cross demands men come to repentance. The cross demands that you and I accept that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And so the cross became a stumbling block to the Jews. Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. But then to the Greeks, to those high and exalted Greeks with their philosophy and their education, the cross seemed like foolishness. It was the madness, madness of babbling men to talk about salvation through the death of a man. 
To the Greeks, it was foolishness to think that a God could send his son and that his son would die. This seemed like an accident. It seemed like it was a failure. It seemed like it was a disaster of epic proportions. And so it was foolishness to them. But Paul says this. It was foolishness to the Greeks. And it was a stumbling block to the Jews. But to those who are being saved. Is there anybody in here that's saved this morning? To those who are being saved, to the blood-bought children of God, to those who have experienced its, its radical power in their life, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a stumbling block, but a stepping stone to glory. The cross of the Lord Jesus cross of Christ is not foolishness to us. It is the wisdom and the power of God. Or you see, friend, when you and I look to the cross of Christ, we don't see the weakness of God. We see the strength of God. We don't see the failure of God. We see the victory of God's son. We don't see the, the accident of history as some have called it. But we see the plan of the ages. For he was the lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ changes everything. And when you and I allow its power and you allow, uh, allow its glory to come into our life, it will bring change. Listen, friends, I want to tell you this first of all, that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ brings change into your life. Say amen, somebody. You cannot have a relationship with God and stay the same. It is impossible to have an encounter in which you have been uh, transformed and, and uh, renewed by God and stay the same. You and I, when we have an encounter with God, are going to experience change in our life. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that if any be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Do you realize this morning what the Bible is telling us there? It's saying that you're not the man you used to be. Say amen, somebody. You're not the woman that you used to be. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Everybody say that. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. You're in Christ, friend, and in Christ you are new. Change comes into your life. Now, I've heard people say, Pastor, I came to God. I gave my life to Christ, but nothing changed. Friend, I have to tell you, I don't think you came to God. I don't think you've had an encounter with Jesus. Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, your life is going to change. What changed in your life? What changed in your life, in your heart when you came to Jesus? Everything changed. The way you look at the world changed. The way you thought about problems changed. The way you speak changed. The books and the literature you read changed. The things you listened to on the, on the radio changed. The place that you spent your time on a Sunday morning changed. The places that you used to go changed. Your path changed. Everything changed in you. Why? Because you are a new man, a new woman in Christ. The Apostle Paul said, when we come to Christ, he says, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ has crucified the world to me. And it has crucified me to the world. Now that's a very poetic statement. And I don't want you to gloss over it too quickly this morning. Because I want you to get a, a, a picture of what Paul is talking about. In the ancient world, the Romans used crucifixion not only as a means of punishing criminals. But it was also their means of a deterrent. When, when they crucified someone, they would, uh, they would crucify them in a public place. And usually on a heavily trafficked road. 
And the purpose for that was so that when you went out of town, you would see these men who had been condemned by the, Jew, by the, uh, by the Romans crucified on these crosses, and you would see their bodies dead and, and, uh, and rotting on those crosses. And when you saw that, the intended result was for you to look away and think, I will never cross the Romans. If they tell me I have to pay taxes, I will pay taxes. If they tell me to jump, I'll ask how high. But I do not want to end up on one of those crosses. That's what the Jews did. And so it was a deterrent. Paul says this, when you came to Christ, your old man was put on one of those crosses. And your old man is dead and done. And now when the world looks at you, it says, Ugh, I don't want to look at that. You don't, you don't need to be bothered about it when people reject you because of Jesus. The reason they're rejecting you is because you have been crucified to the world. The world no longer looks at you with any sense. It can't understand what has happened in your life. But do you know that it also means that the, the world has been crucified to us? That place that you used to hang out on Friday night, now you drive by there and you say, oh, I can't believe I ever went in there. And those people that you used to hang with, now you look at them and you cry over and say, I can't believe I used to uh, live like that. Why? Because the world has been crucified to you. It no longer has any attraction. You no longer have any affection toward that world. Why? Because your life has been changed. When you come to Christ, it changes everything. The cross of Christ breaks the power of the curse over your life. You see, friend, every man, woman, and child who's ever been born was born under the curse of sin and under the curse of the law. And that curse will follow you to the grave if you don't know Jesus. You see, friends, not only were we born under the curse of sin and under the curse of the law, but we also have curses that follow our families around. If you just observe families for a little while, you'll notice that some families have particular problems that go from generation to generation. If it was, uh, if it was alcoholism, it seems to be in the grandparents, seems to be in the parents, and now the, uh, the children and then the grandchildren just seems to follow them around. And maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it's uh, immorality or sexual impurity or adultery, and that thing seems to follow around generations. And some of you, you do things uh, or you did things in your old life. You didn't even know why you did them. But they're in your life because of the generations of your family that have practiced those things over time. But can I tell you what, friend? When you come to Jesus, Jesus breaks the power of that curse over your life. Say amen, somebody. Jesus changes everything. The cross came to destroy the power of the curse and the power of darkness over your life so that today you don't have to carry around great grandpa's sinful baggage. You can have freedom today in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the power of the cross to change your life. The cross not only changes the curse of sin, but it changes the power of sin in your life. Sin no longer rules your life, but now you have a desire and a longing for righteousness, for peace, for the work and word of God. Why? Because you have been made a new creature. And so, friend, I want to tell you this morning, if you don't have this experience, if you haven't known the changing power of Jesus in your life, can I tell you, friend, Stop searching. You'll never find it anywhere else but Jesus. You can go and get an education, but your education will not change your heart. 
You can go and get more money, but money will not change your heart. You can go and get all the sex you want, but that won't change your heart. You can go and get drugs if you want, but that won't change your heart. The only one that can change your life is Jesus. The only one that can transform your mind is Jesus. Jesus can take your mind that's, that's uh, polluted with the, the words and the slander of other people. Your mind that has been torn down by the rejection of others. And you carry around the guilt and the shame of not being good enough and not measuring up. But can I tell you, if you come to Jesus, Jesus will change your mind. He'll let you know that you are a man and woman of God. That you belong to God. That you are valuable. And that God loves and cares for you. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus can cleanse our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God. What can do that? Accept the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can know him this very day by opening up your heart and your life to him. Second thing I want to tell you is that the cross breaks the power of the devil. Say amen, somebody. You know that you have an enemy. If you don't know that, you know it now. You have an enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your future. He wants to kill your life. He wants to destroy you. He wants to annihilate you. The devil is not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. He's not your acquaintance. The devil hates you, friend. And he is out to destroy your life. He has sent a demons and evil spirits out against your life. But can I tell you, friend, Jesus came to destroy every power of the devil. Which power of the devil? Every power of the devil. The Bible says in the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, it says that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them at the cross. What happened at the cross? God disarmed the devil. What does that mean, preacher? It means that Jesus not only took the bullets, he took the gun too. The devil has no power over your life if you give your life to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus has come, and he has disarmed the power of the devil. So next time you walk into your house, and there's an unfamiliar spirit in there, something a little creepy going on, you just stand up straight, you take your authority as a child of God, and you tell that devil to get out of your house and declare that it has no power over your life. Come on, somebody. The cross has changed everything. You don't have to live under the power of the devil. You realize that before you knew Jesus, the devil ran your life. He pushed you from pillar to post. He had you like a, like a puppet on a string. You did what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted it. Sin was ruling and reigning in your life. But then something happened. Something happened that changed everything. There was a game changer that came into your life. It wasn't, it wasn't anything man-made. It was the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you understood, this is why hell didn't want me to get to church. This is why hell didn't want me to hear the gospel. This is why hell didn't want me to know that Jesus saved. Because when Jesus came into your life, he changed the power of the devil. He destroyed the power of the devil over your life. Many years ago, I was in, in uh, Swaziland in Africa, in southern Africa. And we were staying on a college campus. Uh, and in Africa, this, the darkness of the demonic world is very evident. I always say that in America, demons wear suits and ties. But in Africa, they're just right out in, the, in public. They're everywhere. You, you see the spiritual warfare 
uh, that is going on in that world because they have opened themselves up to that. When I went into my dorm room, that dorm room was very small. It was about 10 feet long by maybe uh, 7 or 8 feet wide. It was a small dorm room, just enough for a, a cot and a little desk. When I shut the door of that dorm room, I didn't feel like I was in there alone. And it was, it was what generally we would call creepy, right? It was just I knew there was an unclean spirit that was abiding in this place. And I just, I just simply said, look, devil. I said, there is not enough room in here for both of us, so you're going to have to leave. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over you, and I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. I slept peacefully that whole night and for the rest of the month that I stayed there. The next morning, I went to breakfast. The guys were sitting around the table talking about how creepy this place was and talking about how they couldn't sleep all night long and how it just felt bad. I said, I said, I slept fine. I said, but I prayed over my room and I, I cast the devil out of my room. They said, Isaac, here's my key to my room. Would you go and pray for mine? And so I had to go pray for a bunch of people's rooms. But can I tell you what? I don't need to come and pray for your house. The blood of Jesus has given you authority to take power over every work of the devil. Come on, somebody. The cross changes everything. And if you will give God access and authority in your life, he'll use you. The third thing, the cross gives us the blessing of Abraham. You realize that God has put his blessing on every person who will come into Christ. Because of the cross, you and I have the blessing of Abraham. You say, Pastor, what is the blessing of Abraham? Well, I'm glad you asked this morning. First of all, the blessing of Abraham is this. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and God accounted him as righteous. By simply believing God, Abraham was declared righteous by God. He was given a full, clean, and clear record in the heavenlies as, as it concerned his righteousness. Listen, friends, when you go to a court, I pray none of you ever go to a court, but if you have to go to a court and the jury finds you not guilty, they don't, they don't ever say we declare you innocent, right? They say declare not guilty. Why? Because they don't really know if you're guilty. They just don't, and they know they don't have enough evidence to convict. And so it's, uh, beyond, it's not beyond any doubt, so they have to declare you not guilty. Well, friends, when you come to Jesus, Jesus does not declare you not guilty. The blood of Jesus does not just declare you not guilty. It declares you innocent. It declares you righteous. It means not only are you not uh, maybe guilty, but the guilt is gone. The shame is gone. It's been done away with. And how do I receive that, preacher? By simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. That's the greatest blessing that you and I could have. But the blessing of Abraham doesn't end there. In fact, the blessing of Abraham means that uh, all the blessings that God spoke to Abraham have come upon us as the Gentiles. The Bible says in the, in the book of Genesis that uh, Abraham was very old and he was advanced in years. Now, I don't see anybody in here that's very old or advanced in years. So uh, you have a lot of time to live out this verse. But listen what the Bible says. It says Abraham was very old and advanced in years. And it says that he was blessed in every way. Somebody say that with me. Blessed in every way. How many of you would like to be blessed in every way? I mean, he was blessed in his health. He was blessed in his wealth. He was blessed in his relationships. 
You know Abraham had Ishmael, he had Isaac, then Sarah died, and he had six more kids. He was blessed in his family. He was blessed in his generations. He was blessed in the land that God gave to him. He was blessed in the promises that God fulfilled to him. Blessed in every way. Let me tell you, friend, because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of your faith in Jesus, the blessing of Abraham has come upon you. And God says, I will bless you in every way. Come on, somebody. Aren't you excited this morning that God has decided to bless you, that God has made a decision in the eternal pages of the ages to declare you righteous and to bless you with all the blessings of Jesus. Friends, you and I, if you're in Christ, we have the blessing of God on us. That's why the curse is broken. God didn't just break the curse. He extended the blessing. And the Bible said that what God has blessed, no man can curse. So don't worry about the witches trying to put a hex on you. If you're blessed, you're blessed whether they like it or not. You are a child of God. And the blessing of Abraham has come upon you by faith. And the last thing I want to say is that the cross changed the way that you and I have access to God. I mentioned to you that in the old covenant, the priest, the high priest, would come to the tabernacle or the temple once a year to go into the, into the presence of the Lord, in the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And in this box of wood covered in, in gold were placed the tablets of stone that were broken by Moses. The, the tablets written by the finger of God. Broken by the prophet Moses. Were in the Ark of the Covenant. And whenever God would come to Israel. To check on its spiritual status. He wouldn't look at Moses. He wouldn't look at Aaron. He would look at the Ark. And when he would look at the Ark. He would see those broken tablets. And his wrath would burn against Israel. Because God does not abide sin. God does not abide rebellion and the breaking and severing of his law. And so he commanded that once a year the priest would come into the holy place. The holy of holies, I should say. He would take the blood of a sacrifice. Because you couldn't go into the holy of holies without blood. He would take the blood of a sacrifice and he would sprinkle it upon the veil. And then he would go behind the veil. And he would take that blood and he would pour it out upon the mercy seat, on the seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And now that blood would cover the Ark of the Covenant and it would cover the broken law. And when God looked down at Israel, he would no longer see the broken law, but he would see the blood of the Lamb. And his anger would subside. And his wrath would be put away for a year. So it was that God said, it to Moses in the Passover, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And it was the same in the tabernacle. When God saw the blood, his anger subsided toward Israel. But friends, can I tell you, 2,000 years ago, our high priest went in to the cross. He went to the cross and he shed not the blood of a bull or a scapegoat or a lamb. He shed his own blood. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that he entered into the holy of holies. Not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. His own precious, innocent, spotless, sinless blood. That blood that redeems. That blood that heals. That blood that delivers. That blood that disarms the devil. He came into the presence of the Almighty God with his own blood. 
And that blood covered sin all the way back to Adam. It covered every sin ever spoken by a human mouth. Every sin ever acted upon by human hands. Every work of rebellion and iniquity since Adam until the cross was covered by the blood of Jesus. But it didn't end there. That blood stretched forward. It stretched past the church age. It stretched past the dark ages. It stretched past the, the renaissance. It stretched past the reformation. It stretched all the way into the 21st century. And it reached you and me. And guess what? That blood will reach all the way until the end. The last man ever born on this earth will have a blood covering if he'll have it by faith. And God no longer sees the broken law. He no longer sees the things you've done in rebellion against him. If you're in the, under Christ, if you're in his blood, you have been given complete and total freedom from all condemnation. For the Bible said there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus went into the holy place. He offered up his own blood. And he gave us access to God. Not once a year. Not only the high priest, but he gave us access to God at any moment, any second of any day. If you will call on the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus has given you free access to God. Come on, somebody. Nothing can keep you out. If you wake up at night out of a cold sleep, you just open your eyes and say, Jesus, you are right there in the presence of God. You don't have to sing a hymn or dance a jig. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus and you are in the presence of the Almighty God. Come on, somebody. You have been given access to God by grace, by faith, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I always like to tell this story because it is my connection with this passage. The Bible tells us about this access we have to God. When I was an intern in Washington, D.C., uh, the uh, the leader of the majority that I worked for, one day he said to me, Isaac, he said, would you like to go to the floor of the House of Representatives? Now, you can't go on the floor of the House of Representatives unless you are invited. And so I, of course, I said yes. And here I was following him down uh, to, the, to the chamber. We got to those doors right in front uh, of the House of Representatives. I was about to go in, and he went in ahead of me. And then when I went about to go in, the security stopped me. They said, you can't go this past this point Chuck, so close so far away I was just that close and then the the leader turned around and he said no he's with me let him in and I walked in there like I owned the house of representatives I'm with him can I tell you what happens, friend? That many times we get to the door of God's presence. We come to the throne room of God. We see the glory of God that's before us. And the enemy puts out his arm and he says, oh, 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 you know who you are. You know what you've done. You know how you failed. You know how you've sinned. But can I tell you what, friend? When the devil tries to stop you praying, you just look at Jesus. He's going to say, come on in. He's with me. My blood has covered him. My blood has made a way. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about freedom access into the presence of the living God by faith the blood the cross the Lord Jesus Christ changes everything no one can keep you out if you will come to Jesus by faith your sin can't keep you out your family's past can't keep you out 
Your, your shame can't keep you out. If you'll come to Jesus by faith, nothing can keep you out. He will stand ready to receive you if you'll say yes to him this morning. I am so hopeful that this morning somebody's life will be forever changed. I have been praying for you this week. That as you come into this house, if you don't know Jesus, that your heart will come open to God. And that you'll say yes to Jesus. That you'll say no to sin. That you'll give him your heart, your life. Because only Jesus can change everything. Jesus is not a temporary fix, friend. He's not a band-aid on a boo-boo. Jesus is the only thing that can absolutely, irrevocably transform your life. And he wants to do that. He wants to do that in your life. All you have to do is say yes to him. If you'll say yes to him, he'll usher you into the presence of his father. He'll say, look, dad, we have a new one this morning. They've put their faith in me. They're sons and daughters now. The cross changes everything. I want you to be able to say this morning, the cross changed everything for me. How many of you can say that this morning? You see, I don't want you to live saying the cross changed everything for Pastor Isaac. Oh, man, the cross really blessed Pastor Isaac. I don't want you to live saying, you know, the cross really did bless those people at Kingsway Church. The cross really meant, did make a difference in their life. No, I want you to say the cross changed everything for me. Jesus did it for me. I don't have to live by what he did in somebody else's life. He did it in my life. He transformed my heart. He gave me a new mind. He gave me peace. In my distress. He gave me joy in my sorrow. He gave me health in my sickness. He gave me hope in my despair. He gave me light in my darkness. Come on somebody. Has Jesus done that for you? If he has, shout amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Just bow your head right where you are as you stand. If you're a believer, just raise your hands and start worshiping God for a few moments. I'm going to invite you up to the altar in just a minute. But first, I want to make an invitation. Somebody this morning, some family this morning, some heart this morning is crying out to God for help. Saying something's got to give. Something's got to break. And maybe this morning you said, I'm going to go to that church. And if something doesn't change in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. Friend, God is calling out to you today. He is your help. He's your hope. He loves you. He sent Jesus to the cross for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that if there is anyone within the sound of my voice, in this church or online, who doesn't know you as their Savior, that this morning, they will say yes to Jesus. That they'll receive a revelation of your love. That you'll open up their heart to the word. That salvation will come to their home and to their heart. God, I ask you to send the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That there will be a turning point this morning in somebody's life. I ask that in Jesus' name. Now, if you'd say, preacher, I need a change in my life. Things can't go the way they're going right now. I need a change in my life. If that's you, friend, 
Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Raise it real high so I can see you. If you say, preacher, I need a change in my life. I need God to step in right now and do something in my life. If that's you, friend, you raised your hand, would you just come to this altar? I want to pray with you. I want to ask God to step in. And where you're going to ask him to do that too in your life. If that's you, would you come? Don't be ashamed. You say, I need a change. Something's got to change. Maybe you're already walking with the Lord, but you say, Pastor, something's got to change in my life. This can't continue. This is your day. A day for victory. A day to step out of darkness into light. Out of fear into faith. Jesus changes everything. Will you let him do it this morning? I'm going to ask the elders to come. They're going to pray with those who've come forward this morning. Some of them are going to give their life to Christ. Some of them are just going to recommit themselves to do things God's way. Whatever the need is, God is ready to meet them right here. If you need to come, would you come? And behind them, would you come, church? Would you just come and enjoy the access you have this morning to the presence of God? Would you realize this morning I have access through the blood of Jesus? Every need you have, you can bring it to God this morning. You have access. Nobody can keep you out. Would you just come and enjoy the privilege of being a child of God? Come on, come by faith. If you have nothing else to ask for, just worship him. Let's come into his presence today and just worship him.